0: Good evening. Good evening? Good evening. <laughs> Everybody's still eating, I guess. I don't know. I think everybody took a bite right when I said good evening. All right. So how's everybody doing? Doing well? Very good. Um, well, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Doug. I'm the youth pastor here at Seacoast, and um, <clears throat> it is absolutely my pleasure to uh, tell you about Jesus tonight. So um, before we do that, I'm going to jump in and, and pray and just kind of get get centered because that food was so good. I'm in like a food coma right now. And, yeah, so I just need to just hold on. And the coconut cookie was so good, I couldn't resist. But, like, coconut, when you're about to speak, is, like, not a good idea. So we're going to work through it together, all right? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just love you. We thank you so much for who you are and what you're doing in our lives. We thank you for everyone who is here. Uh, I pray, Lord, that uh, you have something for them tonight. Uh, they didn't just wander in here, uh, and they're kind of mistakenly here, Lord, but you have a plan. Uh, you have a uh, great things for them tonight, Lord, and I pray that your Holy Spirit will open them up to it. In your name we pray, amen. All right, friends, so let me tell you a little bit about the relationship that I have with my son, Dougie, all right? Dougie is three years old. There he is right there. Uh, that was about a year ago, but that's my my little boy, Dougie. Now. Dougie, being almost three, uh, he has a growing vocabulary, okay? If you've ever had children, uh, you know this, that they, they kind of get their vocabulary uh, pretty quickly. It kind of sneaks up on you. Like, you realize you've said too much in front of your kid after it's too late, and then they start repeating it in the car. For example, if I beep at somebody while I'm driving down 17, and then in the back I hear a little voice that says, that guy a jerk, Daddy? I go, Oh, no. I've said too much in front of my son. We've crossed over. Uh, So with his growing vocabulary, um, as a result, uh, he's able to ask me for things now, right? So he's able to uh, ask me, hey, Dad, can I have a snack? Dad, can I watch a show? And not just any show, but he, like, specifically has shows that he watches. I mean, not just anything, not Barney. He's like, no, Dad, train show today. We're watching trains. I said, all right, all right, son, we'll watch trains. So... He's able to express himself. He's able to say when he wants something. But the reality is that sometimes, in fact, most of the time, I have to tell him no. Or at the very least, not right now. Because here's the thing. I wouldn't be a very good parent if I just said yes to everything that he wanted all the time, right? Who here is a parent? Just by show of hands. So most of you get what I'm saying. Maybe you have like a niece or a nephew or something like that and you hang out with them. And they're like, maybe uncle, you know, uncle will get me something cool. And, like, and you got to say, no, no, your parents would kill me. All right. So we've all been there in some sense or another where you just can't say yes to everything that children want. Reason why is because uh, at three years old, my son does not have the wisdom or the understanding to know why he shouldn't do something or why not to do something. He has no idea. He doesn't have the capacity to understand that not everything that you want is good and not everything that you want is good right now, right? So uh, who here has ever been on a road trip before? Road trip, all right. I'm, see. I'm interested to see who's gone on the longest road trip. Uh, who here thinks they've gone on the longest road trip? How many hours? Becca. 17. Can anybody beat 17. Who can beat 17? Yep. Three days. Wow. Anybody beat three days? All right. Alaska. Wow. Okay, we have a winner. Three days. Right on. All right. Now, who here has ever been on a road trip with kids? All right. Yeah. Now, maybe that felt like three days and it was just to like Conway. But, well, if you ever go on a road trip with kids, um, I'll tell you, there's two different sets of packing lists, okay? One packing list is for when you get there, you know, all the stuff you're going to need while you're there, being in a place that's not your home. It's a lot of work that goes into it, right? But there's a whole other packing list for the drive itself, right? If you have kids, you're like getting the iPad, you're getting snacks, you're packing a nanny. I mean, just whatever you have to do to keep them quiet for this particular road trip. Now, a week and a half ago, my family took a road trip to Knoxville. Okay. And we went to Knoxville to live in a castle for three days. All right, Castle. Now, maybe our first mistake as parenting was to tell Dougie we were going on a cast, going to a castle seven hours before we were going to be driving on the trip. But lesson learned. Don't tell your kid you're going to go someplace awesome until you get there. So what happened was, is uh, for the entirety of the trip, there was this little voice in my backseat going, Daddy, when are we going to the castle? Daddy, when are we going to the castle? Dad, when are we going to the castle? And so I could take the time to explain to him the minutia of going on a road trip, right? I could tell him, hey, look, we got to stop for gas. There's traffic at 5 o'clock on the highway. I know you're stuck in this prison cell of a car seat right now, but there's all good reasons for it. Every part of that road trip is for a good reason, but I can't really explain that to a 3-year-old, can I? So... What I would do is I would turn back kind of in the mirror and I would say, not yet, but soon, son, be patient. And then Dougie would reply back, patient. And then about 20 minutes later, he'd say, Dad, when are we going to that castle? (laughs) And I'd say, soon, son, be patient. Now, no matter how many times he asks me, the answer will still be the same until it isn't, right? No matter how many times he asks me, when are we going to the castle? The answer will still be the same until it isn't. See, I love my son. I love him very much. And I love that he was excited about the plans that I had for him. Even if he didn't understand all the details. Even if it didn't make sense to him at the time, he was excited about what his dad had planned for him and he kept asking about it. So, all through the process of his asking and waiting and asking and waiting, he's learning, he's growing, even if he doesn't know it yet. You guys see where I'm going with this? Okay. Well, I tell you this because when it comes to our relationship with God, communicating our wants, communicating our needs, it's a chance for God to grow us up. When we engage with God, when we open our heart to God and talk to him about stuff, even if it seems impossible, even if our requests seem crazy, when we deal and interact with God, it's a chance for him to grow us up. So if I were to kind of sum up where I'm going tonight or kind of give it, uh, give it some, some flesh, I would say that prayer, before it's anything else, is formative, okay? Okay? Prayer is formative, and our conversations, our requests of God, he is actually forming, shaping our character in the process. Does that make sense? And so uh, we're going to be in Luke 18, 1 through 8. And so I'll give you a chance to turn there. It's going to be up on the screen. (sighs) Thank you, Jesus. Luke 18, 1 through 8. So that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge said, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? So that's God's word to us this evening. Now, to kind of give it some, some character, we've got to do some context here, and we've got to kind of get our arms around what's going on. So Jesus kind of sets up this story. He sets up these extreme parallels between a powerless widow and a very unjust judge who neither cares for God or people, and then God's chosen ones, Christian believers, uh, and God, the good father who wants to do good things for his kids. And so they kind of set up this dichotomy, of, and the very intro... He says, this is about praying and not giving up. So Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's been in ministry. He's gathered up 12 guys, um, plus a bunch of other followers, but he has his 12 guys of Inner Circle. um, And he basically lays it right out for them. Guys, it's important to pray and not stop. Because, see, at this time, the Jewish nation, probably the biggest and most important cry of their heart was to be free from Roman rule, Okay? They were under Roman occupation. Rome ruled the entire known world. I mean, they just know where you could go that there wasn't the imprint of Rome, okay? And so they wanted desperately to be their own nation again. They wanted desperately to be their own sovereign nation under God, but it wasn't happening. And in fact, persecution was already starting for Christians because they had to call Caesar Lord, but Jesus knew this was going to get much, much worse. And so he's telling them, look, this whole deal about praying for God's kingdom to come, this whole deal about God coming back to rule and reign and the Messiah, don't stop praying. Don't give up. See, in this little group, right, let's, say, let's say the 12 disciples, there's like three different categories of Jewishness or Jewish people in this moment, okay? I'll, I'll give them to you. All right. So the first category would be kind of like uh, your working class fishermen like Peter. Okay, so Peter was a fisherman, he was one of the disciples, average Joe, blue-collar worker, okay? Second kind of group of people would be the guys called zealots, all right, a guy like Simon, uh, kind of your political activist, revolutionary, overthrow the government by force, like, you know, those kind of people, all right? They kind of got in trouble a lot because they were kind of violent at times. And then your third group of people was kind of the, the tax collectors, like Matthew, we did a... A message on Matthew a few weeks ago. Tax collectors were kind of like hated by their own people because they basically embraced the Roman government, started working for them, and then made their living off of overtaxing their other Jewish brothers and sisters. Right. So that's kind of the three groups of disciples that Jesus has gathered around him. And at the last verse, uh, Jesus directly links praying and not giving up with finding faith on the earth. What's that noise? Maybe it's God trying to talk to me. Maybe not. All right. Uh, so in this last verse, he, he links praying and not giving up with finding faith on the earth. Look, look at what he says. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith? So sort of like a, a barometer or a thermometer for your faith is whether or not you practice this art of praying and not giving up. So if we're going to talk about uh, Jesus is going to mention faith, then we should probably define that word. Faith. What does he mean by faith? Well, Hebrews 11.1 1 has a great example. He says, now faith is the assurance. Faith is assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith is the assurance, being assured of what you hope for and being convicted in the things that you don't see. See, when Jesus comes back to rule and reign for all eternity, Will he find us assured of what we hope for? Will we we be convicted in what we don't see? Or will he find us still praying? Will he find us still talking to our Father? Or will he find us totally checked out? Totally disconnected from the one thing that connects us. So I want to describe three things this evening about prayer. Okay, I'm going to give you three things about prayer this evening that we need to know That's going to form our character and make us into a more whole and healthy person. Okay? Pretty basic. Three things about prayer and why it's important. Everybody tracking with me so far? Very good. You all look fresh and excited. I love it. All right, here we go. So, uh, your first fill-in, prayer. Okay? I want you to write prayer on your fill-in, okay? It's about prayer. See, the thing is, prayer is what we do have. Okay, If you think you have nothing left in this world, you got prayer. Prayer is one of the very few things that cannot be taken away from you. No matter what happens in this life, no matter what gets taken from us, no matter what gets added to us, we will always have the ability to pray. We will always have the ability to communicate with our Father in heaven. No one can take that away from you. See, what makes my relationship with my oldest son so sweet right now Is that we can talk to each other. We can communicate with one another. Our friendship has grown tenfold. See, when he was born, uh, I kind of had this mentality. Um, I don't know if it was because I watched too much TV or movies or whatever it was, but right before he was born, I had this mentality that dads don't really do much in the beginning that dads just kind of like hang out while mom does all the work, and then maybe when he gets old enough to throw a baseball, like that's when I'll jump in and get involved. Like that's what I really thought. Um, but God had totally different plans for when my children were born. Um, during, the, during the pregnancy, there was, there was some complications, and so uh, Christy ended up having, having surgery, and, and there was some different things going on. And all of a sudden, I was pushed to the forefront of having to take care of the boys or take care of Dougie. And so I've spent a lot of time with him growing up, and I took care of him, and I got up with him, and I loved on him, and I learned how to make bottles, and Christy was, like, teaching me while she was, like, on pain medication, like, put the powder in, and I'm like, okay. (laughs) You know, and I'm figuring it out, but I I got it. And so I had this beautiful relationship in the beginning with my son where I would take care of him, and I love on him, and even though he couldn't talk, we still had a great relationship, and he still knew that I loved him. Couldn't talk yet, but yet he got it, you know? When he saw me, he knew that's the place I go for the stuff that I need. When he sees his mom, he goes, "Mom, that's that's the person that I go to to see when I have needs." Words are not. And so, from that moment on, uh, it, it was kind of one-sided. It was kind of like it was mostly me just kind of like giving to him, giving to him, giving to him whatever he needs, and he would kind of get it, but he couldn't really respond yet. But now that he can. Now that we talk back and forth, our relationship has grown so beautifully, and he's learning just how much he's actually loved. When he trips and falls or something, or he does something that's kind of awkward or weird, or or he kind of gets scared for a moment, when I can sit there and have a conversation with him and say, son, you have nothing to be afraid of. Dad's here. Like even tonight when we were walking in the back of the church and, and we were walking through some parts to go print out my sermon and, and it was dark in the room and, and he like kind of was really scared and I said, give me your hand, he grabbed his hand. I said, you don't have to be scared, dad's with you. And he was like, dad's with me. And we like walked in like soldiers, you know, like that's a beautiful thing and he gets that now. We can have that conversation. And so prayer is important. Prayer is important because it's what we do have and it's part of how we grow in our relationship with God. Okay. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. This is a hashtag honesty moment, all right? We're going to get real. Uh, this sermon for me uh, is a little bit weird for me to preach on, okay? And I'm going to tell you why. Uh, I know that prayer is important. Okay? I know. Like up here, if anybody were to come up to me and say, so, what do you think about this whole prayer deal? I'd be like, super important, right? If I were to walk up to you and say, is prayer important to the Christian life, what would you say? Yes, of course. We would all say yes. However, uh it is one of the hardest things for me to do consistently. Okay? It is one of the hardest things. Does anybody else feel that way? Like praying is like to even just do it is is hard sometimes. I really you can show your hands. I'm I'm one of them. All right. Okay, so don't worry, you're in good company. All right. So like when someone mentions prayer or you hear about it in a sermon like this, you kind of have that twinge of guilt, like, oh my God, hope nobody figures out I'm a Christian robot and I never pray. Like, that's how I feel. And when I was writing this message and I'm sitting in front of my computer, like at home, like, yeah, prayer is awesome. And, and like, I'm going through all this stuff and in my mind I'm going, I'm really bad at praying. Like, I'm really bad. And so I had to do some soul searching. I had to get an answer to why that is. And so if you feel like, I do, maybe I can provide some insight for you. I did some digging and I realized I struggle with being consistent in prayer more than anything else because unlike reading my Bible, talking directly to God is deeply personal. If you truly believe that you are speaking to God, that gets personal really quick, right? And what happens is, Uh, Some of you may not know this, but I'm a largely imperfect man, okay? I don't know what your misconceptions are about a dude who's a pastor, but trust me, we're all the same. It's hard, and life's all around, okay? So you can ask my wife, you can ask my boss, I am an imperfect man, okay? I have sin in my life just like you. And so when I even think about talking to God, I start like psyching myself out because I feel guilty, does anybody else feel that way? Like, right before you're about to pray, you're like, man, I got so much stuff. Like, I got to, like, like, I got to confess my sin before I pray, but that's prayer, but I don't want him to hear it, so I'm going to confess my sin to the dog, and then I'll go talk to God. Like, that's how I really feel. <laughs> so what ends up happening is, is that we, we feel guilty, and so we don't want to talk to God about it. But here's the cool part. God doesn't want us to stay there, and here's why. The guilt that we deal with is the exact reason why Jesus had to come. The guilt and shame and struggle we feel with in just praying and talking to God is the exact reason why Jesus had to come. Uh, Let's look at verse 3. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with this plea, grant me justice against my adversary. Grant me justice. Grant me justice. Keeps coming back. Keeps coming back. Keeps coming back. Your second fill-in is persistence. Persistence. See, persistence, when it comes to prayer, when it comes to talking to your heavenly Father, it's not just allowed. It's encouraged. God's not just permitting you to like keep coming to him with your stuff. He actually encourages us to do so. See, we persist not because we're trying to wear God down, but because we have been given full access in Jesus Christ. Hebrews 4:16 says, "Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we might receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need." Jesus came so that way we can set up shop in the throne room of God. That's what happened that we can literally sit in the throne room of God and we can pray, beg, plead, yell, cry over and over and over again and God hugs us and loves us and doesn't think any less of us because of it. When we persist in prayer, we show God just how much we really trust him. When we persist, when we keep coming back no matter what, it shows how much we really trust him. Now, If persisting in prayer is trusting in God, then what would be the alternative? What are some things we do to kind of say, well, I don't really feel like praying right now, so I'm going to go ahead and do some other stuff. Now, if we remember back to those three groups of guys that were hanging out with Jesus and the disciples, uh, that first group was the fishermen, right? Uh, Kind of your blue-collar workers. So maybe you get tired of waiting, and so instead you just throw yourself into your work. Like, you know what? I don't want to pray. I don't want to talk to God about this anymore. I'm just going to focus on my job. If God deals with it, fine, I'm done. That's an option. If you wanted to back off the whole persistence thing. Another thing we might do is kind of like the zealot, that maybe uh, we just want to, by any means necessary, we're going to get that thing that we want. I don't care what God says. I don't care if it hurts me. I don't care if it hurts anybody else. I'm done praying. I'm just going to do it. Anybody ever been there? I've been there. Maybe you're like the tax collector. Maybe you're uh, struggling with your sin or struggling with some kind of temptation. You say, you know what? I prayed for God to help me deal with this. It's not working, so I'm just going to embrace it, right? I'm just, you know what? My sin's my sin. I love it. It's now my pet sin, and we hang out. We do that because prayer is hard. Prayer is hard, and keeping on coming back is hard. But see, when we persist in prayer and we show how much we really trust him, No matter what the options are in this world, no matter what distractions come out, no matter what false promises may come from the world that says it'll take care of you, no matter what, I'm going to keep coming back to the same source, to the good source. That's what persistence does. You know, whatever the world has to offer me, I don't want it. I know the good source, and I'm going to keep coming to him for it. So persistence is not just allowed. It's encouraged. Okay? Let's look at verse 7. Verse 7. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? Your third fill-in is patience. Patience. See, patience is the lifeblood of faith. If you're gonna have faith, you gotta be learn how to be patient. See what better way to show assurance of what you hope for? and conviction in what you don't see than to simply just be patient with God. Patience says a lot about what you believe. To have such faith is to trust in his goodness, even if it took a lifetime of prayer, even if you prayed for the same thing every day, your patience says, you know what? God's good. God's good. Doesn't matter the outcome. God is good. That's what patience says. And so for me, in my particular uh, lot in life right now, I've probably never grown more in patience uh, than the stage of life I'm in right now. Okay? I am a father, I'm a husband, student, employee, and a small business owner. Okay? Got a lot of things going on. And what I want more than anything else is for just Jesus to come back so I don't have to work so hard anymore. I'm serious. I don't know if you guys have ever felt this way, but I'm like a super Christian when I know the next two or three hours of my life are going to be brutal. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like if you go to the DMV, right, and you see that the line is huge and you have to be there, all of a sudden I'm like, Jesus, come back now. I love you. Like, like I will pray like the, like the holiest dude you've ever met. Just Jesus, take me. Just take me. So, uh, so we've all been there. But in truth, <laughs> stress will cause us to want to give up. Stress causes us to want to give up. When life begins to squeeze us, our first response isn't to go, hey, God, I'm dealing with this. Our first response is to run the other direction, into something, anything. And so if all you have right now, if all you can do is muster up the word help, that's all you need. If all you can do in prayer is just say the word help, stay patient and keep saying it friend of mine, I don't know if he shared the story on Sunday, but a friend of mine uh, in the pit crew was talking about how life was so hard at one point, he literally would say help every step of the way, just getting coffee in the morning. Help, help, help. If that's all you have, keep doing it. Stay patient. Now, I have another son, and his name is Aiden. Aiden is 11 months old, and he can't speak yet. But what he can do is put two little noises together that I instantly recognize as Dada. So in the mornings, I don't set an alarm for work, okay? Uh, Because at 7.45 on the dot, I will wake to the sound of my beautiful boy screaming at the tops of his lungs in his room. Because he wakes up in the morning because he's ready to get up. And since he can't talk, he just cries. (laughs) Ah, that's my alarm, and there's no snooze button, so it's just, ah, ah, until I get up and deal with it, and so uh, as a dad, I know that he needs a bottle, first thing he needs, priority one, he needs a bottle, so rather than going in there and getting them all excited because I have no bottle, the first thing I do is walk to the kitchen and begin to make his bottle, so that way, I got to make sure I get this wording right. I go to the kitchen, I make him a bottle. Because as his dad, I know what he needs. And so I go into his room, I give him his bottle, and I lay him down. But from his perspective, he doesn't see anything other than an empty room. He has no idea what's going on outside of that room. He might as well be crying out into outer space. But I'm his dad. I hear his cry And I have an answer, even if he doesn't see it yet. See, when God hears our cries, the answer will never be that he doesn't care. The answer will never be that he doesn't care. Whatever you're going through in life, whatever you're working through, whatever is really eating at you, and you begin to pour your heart out to God, it may feel like, God, you don't care about this, but I'm here to tell you it's not true. God cares, and he has an answer. You may feel like you're crying out in an empty room right now. You may feel like no one in the world cares about what's going on right now. But God is in the kitchen, and he's on his way with an answer. So, uh, Ben, you can make your way back up here. I've got a couple more things to say to you. I'm going to leave you with a quote from Charles Spurgeon. Okay? So Charles Spurgeon's an old timey preacher from Great Britain. And uh, here's what he has to say about prayer True prayer is measured by weight, not by length. A single groan before God may have the more fullness of prayer in it than a fine oration of great length. True prayer is measured by weight, not by length. So maybe all you have right now is two noises that kind of sound like da-da. And that's okay. Maybe all you have right now is the word help. But as we go into our time of worship, here's the challenge. If, If you're a believer tonight, and you've struggled in this area of prayer, I just want you to, during worship, talk to God about something real, even if it's two sentences. If you, as we talked last week, are wanting to get your spiritual edge back, this is a good place to start. And so as I said earlier, that Christ came to give us full access to God, right? And so I want to be clear about what that means. That when Christ came to this earth, uh, he didn't just come to be a brilliant teacher. He didn't come just to teach us how to live moral lives. Christ came to be the sacrifice for our sin. Christ came so that way, uh, all that sin and guilt and shame that we feel to go before the throne room of God gets wiped away clean and buried in the earth. And when he was raised on the third day, all of our sin and guilt stayed there. And he beat sin and he beat death and he beat Satan forever so that we can go boldly before the throne room of God. So, gosh, if you wanna receive Christ tonight, if you like kind of been dancing around with it and you're like, you know what? I'm, I'm ready to do this. Come find me after the service. Let's talk, let's pray. Let's get Jesus uh, in your life and, and have him transform. So prayer is important. Persistence is encouraged. And patience is the lifeblood of faith. You embrace these things, and Jesus will find faith when he returns. Let's pray.